for me, what always worked very well is to grab a few words. And whenever I was able to say a few words, which could be thank you or good morning or whatever, it always created some kind of first connection and bridge. So a language for me was always a key. And I'm, I'm honestly also personally very much interested in language. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the new episode of VEU Executive Academy podcast, where we give you exclusive insights from some of the brightest leaders today who all have one thing in common. They are or were students of our MBA programs. I'm Chadomir Pushica, your host, and it is my task to ask the right questions so that you can learn more about the person, their industry, their mindset, and how they manage to bring positive change to businesses and their communities. Alexander Resch is the CEO of Slovakia's VUB, part of the Intesa Sao Paulo group. His name is well known and widely respected in the business community and beyond. He graduated from Università Cattolica del Sacro Cuore in 1996 and received his Global Executive MBA degree from Vienna University in 2010. He started out as a CFO, then held the positions of CRO, which is Chief Risk Officer, and worked for the past 10 and more years as CEO in the banking sector in several countries. Such broad experience in different positions, finance, risk, management, operations, make him a 360-degree executive. Alexander, welcome to the show. Happy to be here with you. Thank you for your time. So now I would like you to elaborate on the strengths these different positions give you, but also feel free to speak about any downsides to being such an all-round executive, if there are any downsides. Well, as you were saying uh, in the introduction, let's say I was quite lucky in my life that I had a lot of opportunities to be able to work in different areas. So in the financial area, in the risk management area, operational areas. But then at the end, I had also the chance to work on as a CEO leading and uh, driving uh, the vision and mission of a company. So from my perspective point of view, I consider myself very, very lucky. I could learn a lot and I think yeah, I was able to learn a lot due to the fact that I'm a very curious person. So whenever I see something, I like to look at it. I like to look from different angles and from different perspectives. So from this perspective point of view, this curiosity helped me always to jump also from one area to the next one because it was a driver for me to learn something new, which adds also a lot of uh, qualification professionally talking. So when you were saying that I have a lot of experience, I would say, yes, I do. But I always be very thankful for the people who helped me to learn, who taught me, who were showing me things. So from this perspective, yeah, it's a great experience and helps me a lot in nowadays job when we take uh, difficult decisions, when we need to discuss, so I can better understand my uh, counterparties. And so from this perspective, it is rather supporting stuff. Yeah, Obviously, as a CEO, you should not be in so much detail. You should be rather be here as a coach, as a mentor, showing up also which way to lead your team, which way to go and drive your company. So that's for sure a challenge in this perspective. Okay. So that's the downside you say is having to deal with so many different challenges, right? I wouldn't say that. That's for sure not a downside. The downside, the potential downside, if you know, if you have a, a deep knowledge in many, many areas that you start 
to discuss too much details. And then uh, sometimes it's very much important not to forget that you are not the expert, but you are, how can I say, the team leader. And so to say your role is more to nudge, to coach, to mentor rather than to solve the problem yourself. Understood. And you also mentioned your curiosity and how much you love to learn new things. And also that teachers and coaches helped you get to where you are now. So I would like to ask you, what tricks or techniques do you use to learn effectively and keep that knowledge over long periods of time? And also what teacher left the deepest impact on you and why? There are different methods how to learn and how to keep up with your knowledge. I'm more of the type of person I like to do things. So I'm learning by doing. So I'm not afraid to make my hands dirty. So I'm really very much hands on. I like to see how things are working and the nitty gritty details. So from this perspective point of view, what helps me to learn is if I'm doing it myself. And this is a knowledge. It's like riding a bicycle. You, you will never forget it once you did it. At least that works out for me. And from this perspective, I, I was really blessed. I was very lucky to meet very good mentors and also very good teachers in my life. And they showed me, as you know, I'm working in the financial area, so in the banking sector. They showed me banking from various angles, in various situations. And I was really blessed to be able to work with them. It was a hard time because many, many hours, as you can imagine, especially at the beginning, but they were really, really great. And I would say I met which really uh, pushed me to get even beyond my borders or out of my comfort zone. One was when I was working in Berlin. He was really at the beginning to, at the beginning of my career. He was teaching me how to do the CFO. So how to understand uh, a company from a controlling perspective point of view, to identify the weak points, the strengths, how to improve things, always have a critical eye on the things and definitely a number of thinking. So fact-based discussions and this type of stuff. So I would say my boss at that time helped me a lot, uh, taught me a lot, and uh, we were doing great things together. And later in my life, I had another one. This is more related to Bratislava, Slovakia, where I'm also placed right now. He was very challenging. So he helped me to go beyond. So he was very much motivating in always going a step further and never be satisfied with the thing. So it could be always made better and improved. So he gave me a lot of motivations in this perspective to improve myself and to work on my professionalism. Thank you, Alex. Now I just want to make a connection between your teacher who pushed you to go a step further and the current situation that all of us are facing, which is COVID and the world we are living in. So what is happening in banking today? What are the key questions you're asking yourselves and what is the major challenge? How have the banks responded to this new challenge? What is happening well, I would say that's not really comparable in this sense because this COVID-19 situation, this pandemic, has significantly influenced all our lives. And from this perspective, the most important aspect, what came out, especially one year ago during the first wave, was the human aspect. How important everybody was worried about and concerned about 
the beloved ones, the next ones. So this was about not only family, it was about community, it was about colleagues, it was about customers. So the human aspect, which I experienced, this solidarity, this standing up to each other, was really a unique moment. It was so full of energy and so full of sincere it was really sincere that we wanted to take care of each other and that was unique for me I, I i didn't experience that before in the banking sector as such obviously this has after a year has a little bit changed but this tone this uh, human tone and this i would call it also being more aware about the role which we are playing, not only as a human being, but also as an actor in the ecosystem. This has changed significantly. Obviously, now after a year, there are also other thoughts because obviously this situation has changed significantly how we are interacting with each other. So home officing, uh, so distant working, also the contact with the customer. As a banking sector, you are servicing your customers, so you are constantly in contact with your customer. And from physical contact, you go much more to a virtual or to a digital contact. So digitalization was definitely pushed significantly. Banking already was on a very interesting journey to digitalization. A lot of investments were going into digital channels. But this COVID-19 has simply accelerated it. And I must say the entities and players who were most digitally advanced, they were obviously benefiting in this situation because they were simply ready. So for instance, for us, it was very easy to switch from one day to another to a remote working mode, and it worked out quite well. That was one thing. The second aspect, what I would say, definitely you started to rethink about all the things, how i doing them right now. How will be they done in the future? And you identified so much operational waste, which came basically as a heritage from the past because we were used to do certain things from the past. So it drove us simply, it made us the question, okay, what do we really need? Do we need this type of stuff? No. So we can eliminate, we can eliminate this operational waste. And we were really thinking a lot about capacity. I will make a simple example. We had quite a, a lot of offices in Bratislava. And now with this new way of working, which will also persist after COVID-19 is over. And once we will go back to a more normal life, so to say, for sure, we will not go back to the life and to the way of working how we have known it before 2019. So from this perspective point of view, also we have worked a lot on how can we share capacities, desk sharing, office sharing, a lot of this type of stuff. And by this, we thought our way of working also in headquarters, but also in carpools and all this type of stuff. So there's a lot of capacity sharing thinking which is coming in, which is also typical, typical for the circular economy. I don't know if you are familiar with the concept of circular economy, but this capacity sharing is a core topic also about how to reuse things, how to share things, especially if they are idle. So from this perspective, it brings us much more closer to a circular economy thinking. And last but not least, I was mentioning it maybe at the beginning related to the human aspect. The banking sector is, or the banking operators are significant in the ecosystem, how the society is working. And this was very much visible during COVID-19 when we were negotiating and discussing with national banks and uh, administrations or government, 
how to support companies, how to support families, but also how to support the government itself, the administration. And there, it was really very nice to see how the banking sector was standing up to all the stakeholders. And I think this was the moment where maybe, at least I would say, I personally really realized how important or which kind of impact we have in terms of social impact. And I think this will drive also the the future of several sectors, not only the banking sector, simply to be much more socially engaged and community engaged than private sector used to be in the in the past. At least that is what I have seen, in particular here in Slovakia. And uh, all the business community really got very much motivated to help out, to care. And I hope that this will persist for quite a long time because it's a very nice aspect which came out thanks to the pandemic. So you mentioned the social impact. Could you please give one particular example of what that means? Well, the social impact, in particular, if I refer now back to COVID-19, you know, what happened there is overnight, families lost their income or had a significant reduction in their income. Companies needed to be locked down because uh, social distancing was the only way of how to get it under control or how to limit further spreading of COVID-19. So from this perspective, point of view, it was very much important to play the role to subsidize or how can I say to, to join and to support and to care in terms of installment deferrals or in terms of other supporting programs, which we could do for all this sector. But this goes much more beyond. In the moment we had this here, we were uh, together with other business leaders, we were the front runner to support the healthcare system. There were, due to COVID, it became quite evident that there were certain materials, certain equipments were missing in the healthcare sectors. Hospitals were not properly prepared and this type of stuff. So we were motivating business communities to help, to support, to find these matters. We were reaching out, for instance, to Korea, to South Korea, in order to understand how was testing done there. We brought it in here and we were discussing it with the administration because through customer contact, we could facilitate this type of discussions. And uh, it was very, very much interesting from this perspective, how much was done. And this went then beyond, I'm saying then, for instance, homeless people, especially in this situation, it was very much difficult for homeless people to find hygienic infrastructure where they could take care of themselves and where they, uh, for instance, injuries could be treated or symptoms could be treated. These are all things where the business sectors, the private economy was stepping in and was stepping up and was saying, okay, we want to stand up, we want to help and this type of stuff. These are very nice moments which I have seen and there are just a few. There are many, many others. Thank you, Alex. So what was the most painful decision that you had to make and are you happy with the result? What would you have done differently looking from this perspective? Well, it's not an easy question. There could be several, but the most critical one or the most painful decisions for me are always when there is a moment of cooperation where I come to a point where I need to talk to a colleague and I need to decide about that we need to go uh, separate ways so that we need to dismiss the colleague. 
So this is for me, these missiles are for me always the most difficult ones because I tend to have a very personal touch with all my team. And from this perspective, it is always for me, it's very much important that it is carefully thought through. It's not an emotional reaction. It's very carefully thought through and it should be done or at least I try to do it always in a very correct and fair and open and transparent way dedicating enough time to discuss with the colleague about the situation and the reasons of this. And for me, these are the moments where a cooperation or collaboration didn't work out. Normally, the issue is on both. So it, I consider it also a failure on our side where we were not able, on my side, where I was not able to make it work out. But these are, for me, the most difficult ones, which uh, I have managed and I, I don't like to manage them. But if they need to be taken for the benefit of the cooperation and for the benefit of the community, obviously, they have to be taken. But these are the most difficult ones, I would say. If we now take the human element out of your decisions, do you recall any other decisions apart from the having to part ways with someone that you had to make like a strictly technical decision, so to say? Technical are always fact-based. So this, I, I would not say that uh, from this perspective, I would say decision-making was never a weak part of my character. And also I consider myself rather, how can I say prone to change. So I like to change things and I, I like to decide about how to change things. Now, they were for sure difficult ones, but they could be also not painful. They, they could be also very enjoyable, like difficult ones for banking sector for sure is to change the core banking system. You know, changing a core banking system is a very long lasting project, a very complex one involving the whole bank. And uh, that's for sure not an easy decision to take. But once you take it, then I enjoy to manage it and I enjoy it to do it together with the team so that it works out to be a success. I would say really the most difficult for me are always when we talk about colleagues and we talk about dismissal. Thank you. And now I want to move to your experiences in many different countries because you worked and lived in different countries. So do you recall any point where cultural differences may have been the reason for misunderstanding or may have created a conflict? And what happened and how would you deal with it now? You're right. I had the luck to live in many, many countries. And myself enjoyed very much traveling, seeing uh, different countries, seeing different cultures from this perspective. And I believe nowadays in this international environment, globalization, it is a very important capability of managers to have this cultural aspect, to deal with different cultures and to have this multiculti touch. So from this perspective, it's a very much important component, especially if we talk about companies which are operating international. From my perspective point of view, it is always a, a big question how you're approaching it. If you go to a country, to a new country, which you don't know, and you go there with uh, prejudice and this stuff, it's a question of attitude. And since I'm a very curious person, it is always opposite. So whenever I was parachuted to whatever country, then for me, it was really interesting to see what's going around, how it works. And I was reading a lot of these countries. I started to read them, for instance, writers or authors there uh, of these typical countries, which are reflecting the tradition. And for me, what I worked always very, very much out is to go there uh, with a positive attitude, respecting the differences 
And for me, what always worked very well is to grab a few words. And whenever I was able to say a few words, which could be thank you or good morning or whatever, it always created some kind of first connection and bridge. So a language for me was always a key. And I'm, I'm honestly also personally very much interested in language. And if I may say so, this is also one of the biggest takeaway from my executive MBA, which I did with the possibility to travel and to know different countries because it's on different continents and different countries. There were several uh, sessions. So we were in Russia, we were in India, we were in China, we were in Romania at that time. Last but not least, America. For me, the countries at least which I didn't know and being there for a couple of weeks or a longer period, it was always a very, very interesting experience. And that was, I would say, the biggest takeaway and the biggest enrichment the executive MBA gave me besides the professional courses, obviously. But personally, this enriched me quite a lot, I must say. So coming back to your question, I've seen moments of conflict and tension, which came simply out of the fact of misunderstandings. But this is strongly driven by your attitude, strongly driven by the attitude. At least that's my experience. Yeah. But if you ask me if I ever experienced personally, absolutely not. I understand absolutely why not. as well. So it's positive attitude and uh, that's the key. And also wanting to immerse yourself in the culture. And which of these different cultures that you had a chance to see left, let's say, the deepest impact on you in a way that it shocked you the most? Well, I'm not sure it shocked me the most, but, you know, you need also to know a little bit about my background. So uh, coming from South Tyrol, you know, there's a particular history. Obviously, we have some, let's say, a more Austrian or Tyrolean German soul, if you so want. So we speak also, the mother, my mother language is German, for instance. But then we have also this Italian part of souls, enjoying life, enjoying good food, enjoying sun, factory on the sun, sunny side of the Alps, so to say. So also this is uh, making it quite interesting. Maybe this was also a good school for me, so to say. But I will tell you two, two moments. One moment which was very much nice for me was when I was parachuted from Berlin to a small city in Slovakia, east of Slovakia not knowing one single word, <laughs> obviously, in a, in a rather smaller town. And it was very, very nice because it was my first Christmas there after a couple of months, a uh, lot of snow, not being able to move anywhere. And it was very nice. Neighbors stopped by and the neighbor was wishing me Merry Christmas, gave me some cookies. And I, I was thinking, okay, what do I do right now? So I took a bottle of wine. I went over there, knocked on the door, and we were sharing the cookies and the bottle of wine, and we created some good and nice atmosphere in this perspective. So that was a very nice surprise for me, how welcoming, for instance, Slovak people are. And also what was very much interesting is how hardworking they are. And they are really very much, I appreciate uh, very much working with my colleagues here. They are very, very professional and they are very, very diligent and very, very trustworthy. So they are really, really, really good. On the other side, another example, if I may say so, I was 10 years ago, I was parachuted to Albania, totally different environment. And what I appreciated there, Again, was much more closer to the Italian side of 
how to enjoy life. So they are very close to Puglia. So it's very, it's, I think, 70 kilometers across uh, the Mediterranean Sea. So from this perspective, you could really feel this way of living, enjoying sun. It's very sunny there, uh, good weather. I didn't use a coat the whole winter time because the weather was so sunny. Uh, but what was really nice there, again, the welcoming part, when you uh, spoke a few words like Alimendez, which means thank you. or So they appreciated very much. They were welcoming very much, showing me a lot around. And what I enjoyed very much there is that whenever there was a problem to be solved, I was always surprised about how creative people can get. <laughs> I could tell many, many other stories from different countries, but I enjoyed that very much. And I'm, I'm really very thankful for the opportunity I had to learn so many people in so different, so many different contexts and countries. I also loved one thing that you mentioned, and that's languages. That's my area of interest. So how many languages do you speak? I wouldn't say uh, I speak that many, but plus minus. I speak uh, obviously English. I speak also Slovak. And Slavic languages allow you also to understand a little bit more. So when I was traveling to Croatia, I was capable at least to understand passively the same goes for Poland, Czech goes without saying. So, you know, you need to create the basis. I have heard that there's a moment, the more languages you know, the easier it becomes to learn more. And that's for sure true for you. That's, that's true. That's true. So now, before we wrap up our session, I want to ask you one more thing, and it relates really to education and to educational reform. What would you focus on if you were to reform the education system? And please speak from your job perspective. I'm definitely not an expert in education and educational system, but I believe you hit a very important point, especially we are now in a, in a point of life, in a unique point of life where we need to take important steps and we need to change. And this goes, especially nowadays when we talk about energy, if we talk about climate, if we talk about poor versus rich people, if we talk about inclusion and so on. And I believe in this moment, uh, education plays uh, a crucial role because it's not only the environment we are growing up in, but it's also how we are educated, what are the values which we are sharing. I would desire or I would wish for that our educational system would become more pragmatic. So theory is very much important. It's very much important to learn the concept, but it's very much important also to see how this concept can be applied to reality. So I think there is a strong connection between educational system and real life, which then can be private economy or whatsoever. So pragmatism, application. Then a second thing, what I believe it's very much important, especially nowadays where certain things we have learned in the past and which principle or concept which were working in the past cannot be applied anymore for the future. So what we need is critical thinking. So I believe what is very much important that in our educational system, we teach children and future players, we teach them to think critically, not to simply accept things or authorities, really to go behind and analyze it and be capable to critical come up, but in a constructive way. And that leads me to a third point, which I believe is very much important all of us need to learn to deal with emotion. So the whole emotional intelligence we are talking about, mindfulness and this type of stuff. 
because many times we are too target oriented or we are too ego focused or ego driven. So it's very much important to understand for the benefit of the community, but also the benefit of the relationship and everybody to get also these kind of tools, which helps you, for instance, how to handle conflicts or how to handle different situations. And I think this is something which is, uh, which are very much important tools, especially nowadays. And last but not least, I would say we need to work on inclusion. I'm a strong believer in inclusion. I've been growing up like this. And I think that's very much important that we find the, we identify the factors which bring us together, help us to include all stakeholders of the community, all, how can I say, differences from the community. And that's very much crucial. Thank you, Alex. So it's pragmatism, critical thinking, emotional intelligence, and inclusion. Extremely important things, not only in education, I think in society in general. So thank you for this. And is there anything else you would like to add to something we haven't covered in this very short time? Well, uh, we have uh, covered quite a lot. Uh, very much for this pleasant atmosphere. Thank you. Thank you so much. I believe our audience will really appreciate it. So thank you, Alex, and all the best in your future work. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me here. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Hello again. Thank you for listening to this episode of VEU Executive Academy podcast, Know How to Inspire. Now, one more thing before you go. Please subscribe to our channel on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes, or check out our website at www.executiveacademy.at forward slash podcast. That is executiveacademy.at forward slash podcast. Last but not least, spread the word, because the more you share knowledge, the more inspiring it gets.